0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Decrypt. To some of our regular listeners you'll notice our usual host Nick has taken a break this week. My name is Tina Connor and I will be your host today when we talk about cyber crisis management. I am delighted to be joined all the way from Australia by Emma Sanderson from our Cyber Protect team. Welcome Emma.
1: Hi Stina. thanks for having me, it's great
0: to be here. And joining us from our studio in London is Elspeth Robertson from our Cyber Incident Response team. Hi Elspeth.
2: Hi Stina. pleasure to be here today.
0: Thank you both for joining me today when we'll talk about crisis management, but particularly the gap between crisis management on paper versus in practice. What are some of the key challenges companies face? How can they prepare to manage a cyber crisis when it actually hits? Of course, cyber threats continue to be pervasive. Cyber capabilities are becoming more accessible, proliferating to a wider set of threat actors across the spectrum of state criminal and activist groups. We've seen ransomware, extortive cyber crime more broadly wreak havoc on companies disrupt critical systems and assets, with some instances taking national level impacts. And we start to see at the same time threat actors expanding their targeting to organizations in new jurisdictions, in new sectors, where the maturity, the preparedness to manage these types of incidents is lower than in countries more accustomed to facing these types of attacks. And amidst all this, it's companies and organizations trying to manage and in some cases survive when this crisis hits. Emma and Alspeth, you both have extensive experience working with our clients in these types of of incidents and scenarios from preparing them for the worst case scenario through to kind of walking them through when that crisis actually hits. So let me start with a broad question to, to both of you in this kind of complex, fast moving environment, is it even possible to be prepared for a cyber crisis?
2: Great question. Um, Personally, yes, I do think so. And I really see that being prepared means that Organizations are not necessarily prepared for each and every single eventuality, say a ransomware in this particular section of your network or a business email compromise on five mailbox for instance, but what it actually means being prepared means being resilient to cyber threats. And that also doesn't mean stopping each and every cyber attack, it means having the strategies in place that enable an effective response, having these strategies that are agile that are flexible to respond to a range of threats to a range of threats that you're not even aware you're exposed to for instance and ultimately I I often respond to both cyber incidents and cyber crises and if organizations are prepared I typically find that a cyber incident doesn't necessarily have to turn into a cyber crisis and that's one of the main goals for organizations and being prepared.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with Elspeth. You know, we can't predict every detail of a crisis. We shouldn't try to. It's not effective. You will never be ahead of the attackers out there, whether it's a nation state, whether it's a particularly enterprising criminal or a particularly driven activist group. What preparation looks like to us in, in control risks is being equipped to respond to those novel situations in a way that's effective, it's compliant, it helps you to manage your stakeholders, protect your organization, your assets. And what does that mean in practice? It means being well prepared with documentation, with process awareness, having a leadership that's resilient, that's confident, that communicates well, that trusts each other to do the job, and ultimately being ready to deal with situations that you'll have never seen before and you, you, you you know, need to work closely with existing process, existing plans, in order to make sure that you come out of that the other side. So in a nutshell, you know, yes, it is
0: possible. So Emma, let me stay with you for for a little while. You work closely with our clients in, in Asia Pacific, but especially in, in Australia. And of course, we've all seen um, the kind of headlines coming out of Australia these past couple of months. One major kind of breach after another, has this led to, to kind of changes in, in how companies approach cybersecurity, approach cyber crisis management from, from your experience?
1: Yeah, thanks, Dina. It's, it's a great question. And for our listeners who are not in Australia or the Asia Pacific region, yes, there have been a, a series of very prominent cyber incidents in Australia. There was a, a, a breach at a major telecommunications carrier, Optus, as well as a major health insurer, Medibank. And, you know, the, the data that was exposed related to individuals, individual Australian residents and, and citizens, and it numbered well into the. The millions. I mean, as you can imagine for us as as cybersecurity professionals, risk professionals and crisis managers, it's a very busy time in Australia. We can't understate the impact of these incidents in terms of of, media coverage, public consciousness, and also actually commentary from, from authorities, from the government. We're seeing at the same time Regulatory changes and developments within Australia, but also within the region globally. So there's amendments to the Privacy Act controlling and, and mandating the handling of personal data. We're seeing updates to what's known as SOCI, which is an act to protect critical infrastructure with particular regard to cyber security. Slightly, slightly vaguely worded at this point, we are watching and monitoring, and I'm sure my colleague Jim has talked about that on one of our other episodes of Decrypt. In the short term, what we're seeing in the, in the, the, the sort of furnace of these acts, this change to laws, change to regulations is, is clients, new clients, existing clients, long-term clients in the region are coming to us and they're thinking about cyber risk for the very first time as something that is serious. It's relevant to them. It's credible, right? It, it hits that, that crux of being both high impact, but also medium to high likelihood, which many of the high impact risks do not. And what that means is we have lots of discussions with these clients around rehearsing, exercising, preparing, drilling for crises. Now, what that can look like is a is a tabletop seminar. It can look like a what we might term a live simulation of an incident, which features us getting on phones and pretending to be bad actors, which is good fun. But, you know, sometimes organizations aren't ready for that yet, and we need to work with them to build out their response capacity from scratch, you know, look at who's in the institution, look at what they have, look at how they're ready, and look at what they understand in terms of, of cybersecurity risk. You know, most of the extended aspects of the cybersecurity crisis, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, it's not necessarily the technology issues, it's about how the wider business can handle the disruption caused by those technology issues, how they handle their public approach, their public face, how they handle what's outside of their control and outside of the organisation. You know, Optus and Medibank, they... (laughs) <laughs> they really both gave masterclasses in in how not to manage crisis communications, these huge organizations that went in very hard, perhaps, on the approach that in the end came around and, and caused some problems. And, and they very publicly had to start doing things like walking back statements and amending statements from saying you know, no one's affected to maybe some people are affected to our entire client database is affected. It's not an approach we would recommend had we been on the ground with them. Um, you know, coupled with this increasingly heated regulatory environment that I've mentioned, privacy act, personal data, critical infrastructure, whether it's transport, whether it's, you know, energy production, whether it's financial systems, all of that is under this kind of increasing scrutiny and speculation. Organisations are still getting their heads around what this looks like. We're expecting further changes to the regulatory landscape in the coming really 12 months, um, we've already seen amendments, as I mentioned, to the Privacy Act, much larger um, penalties in place against organisations that, that that are involved in breaches, much more stringent regulations, particularly around, you know, exfiltration, um, not exfiltration, I apologise, um, you know, cross-border data transfer and, and actually handling data And and passing it around borders, so all of this is 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 coming together. All of this is still developing. It's going to be a real test for organisations in Australia moving forwards. You know, and and to get ahead of that, organisations really do need to be thinking about this, not as a technology issue, but as a business-first, organised crisis management strategy.
0: Thanks. I mean, it's really interesting to hear kind of your experience of what what's happening, and obviously elsewhere in the world, we're also seeing you know that that regulatory movement and, and reactions from the public, from, from policymakers to, to this onslaught of, of, of cyber attacks, these, these data breaches that we, we, we see and kind of how to, to manage that. And I think, you know, it comes back to, to that, that um, initial point where we start to see threat actors move into new jurisdictions, or we start to see more significant or more regular cyber attacks happen in jurisdictions where it's, it, it's, didn't used to be as commonplace to see those types of incidents. And I think you know Australia is a good case study for what we can potentially expect um, in that in that space as well elsewhere. So if I turn to you um, Elspeth, you you sit in our cyber incident response team. So spending your days really supporting clients through uh, incidents, through crises, having a very granular knowledge of the kind of anatomy of of an incident, of the steps that the clients need to 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 go through how in your experience do the kind of different stages of an incident challenge companies that you work with and, and what are what are some of the key key aspects to consider there
2: thanks dina um and yes uh day-to-day responding to to lots of cyber incidents and cyber crises and often in reflection i think that organizations can split the response into both the, the technical stages of a cyber response but as Emma's talked about the the overarching the business response is also really crucial but perhaps taking the the technical response part um it is very important and it's very p- important for companies to prepare for the technical response to an incident and typically the the anatomy of a cyber incident in this in this um in this kind of thought process is um, being able to to identify a crisis, to to identify, contain, eradicate and recover. And preparation for all these phases of a cyber instance really helps the resolution go as smooth as possible. And so for the identification for organizations is, is thinking about, do you have the right monitoring in place? Do you have EDR, do you have MDR? Is your AV effective? Do you have threat monitoring in place? vulnerability management process and for the contain and eradicate that might be you've got threat threat actor in your system how do you contain the incident how do you kick the threat actor out your network and how do you make sure that they can't get back in and in my experience for clients typically this happens quite quickly within the first few days even or first few hours of a cyber incident happening but then we get to to the recovery stage and the recovery stage is how do you get back to where you were pre-incident and this actually is really difficult for organizations and it's a really crucial area where I think organizations need to have continued effort and continued preparation for um and I believe it can really help cyber incidents not become cyber crises as I've mentioned but um help that help that smooth running and I was kind of Thinking about um, an example for this, and the UK's Royal Mail Lockbit ransomware attack is a kind of a really good example for for people to have a have a think about and look about. Clear, they're not my client; I didn't help them <laughs> resolve um, this particular incident. But in the UK, they are they're, they're multinational; they're part of the UK's critical national infrastructure, and they had a Lockbit ransomware against a, a particular international portion of their business and that meant that um, myself as a UK citizen I couldn't send or receive I believe um international parcels or letters and this happened January this year I think January the 11th and kind of looking at their comms there um that they regularly produced about the status of the incident it was about two weeks uh when they managed to restore the majority of their operations um looking recently on the i think they released a an update to the incident on the 20th of february saying that there's still still portions of their business of the international arm that are still not operational and that's a good 6 weeks after the incident happened and when i help organizations respond to ransomware attacks 6 weeks is pretty good it's pretty normal um but all orca- clients that aren't necessarily prepared for a crisis for a for the recovery Section of an incident are typically not prepared for these types of timelines, and actually, this this case is quite interesting because um, very recently, Lockbit they released the negotiations between Royal Mail and themselves, either as a a way to continually extort Royal Mail or as a a threaten for future victims around kind of what Lockbit have the capability to do. And it's quite interesting that this back and forth, these negotiations took place over three weeks. And this is a long time for an organisation to to go through for this recovery. They haven't kind of got to the resolution yet, the technical resolution. Um, And so what I find is the recovery stage of a incident, the technical recovery stage, can often lead into a reputational issues as well. Because as Emma said, the, the understanding of the incident changes and they may have not necessarily organisations communicated um, in, a, in an effective way that helps kind of mitigate future, future developments of, of the incident because um, cyber crises or cyber incidents, they're characterised by uncertainty. You don't quite know exactly what has transpired. It's often the technical forensic investigation which takes time to work out exactly how the threat actor got in, what do they do. Um, what did they steal potentially? And all this takes a lot of time. And I think my other kind of part of the anatomy of a, a cyber incident that companies should prepare for is that this recovery phase is quite complex, and often it can change the way businesses operate. For instance, I see that there's corrupted data, so you might not be able to to have all the historic data that you relied on um, before. But often um, kind of there might be the implementation of say MFA or an adoption to cloud services at the same time of a recovery because it's a good time sometimes when you're recovering, when you're rebuilding to to expedite your your security controls or your updated infrastructure. Um, but this is also takes time for your for your employees and your um, customers to get used to the new ways of working of business. So it, it's a complex process.
1: There's a couple of interesting points, I think, there from from you, Alspeth. So firstly, a three-week-long negotiation is pretty pretty intense. I mean, that immediately makes me think out that the complexity of what was affected was so much that Royal Mail had no other option for fact-finding and flush, or they were not sufficiently confident in their actual recovery strategy and their response strategy that they kept going back to this threat actor perhaps or they extended that time period of fact-finding from the threat actor that actually, yeah, it's what's it done? It's put a target on their back. It's made the threat actor particularly interested in them. It's maybe slowed the response and the recovery. And also at the end of the day, it's, it's perhaps been a distraction from from their recovery and this is me not being in the room. But it's a pretty interesting, you know, time frame. And following on from that, you're the point about that recovery you know, we see a lot of businesses coming out of these incidents, right? And they say, is now the time to build back better? Now do we finally make those changes that we've been putting off that actually, if they'd been there a month ago, this would never have happened to us. And that's often a very interesting conundrum for these organizations, because actually, you know, how do you spend that time? Do you use that time, that resource in that moment? Do you focus on BAU, a minimum viable state? Do you try and build in Improvements when you can, when there's momentum, and those things. There's no right answer, and that's something as well that the organisations need to be very aware of as they're going through these stages of recovery.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, And and I think they're, you know, it's almost like a a pre and a post. It's almost like considering it as two two different um, kind of worlds in in terms of before and after. Hitting and, and how you think about these things and and what you kind of see as, as valuable and 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 important in a sense. Um, and I think you, you both kind of touched on it as well. Obviously, there is the kind of technical aspects of of an incident, of, of a breach, um, but there's also kind of beyond that, um not just about the kind of ones in series. So what are some of the other kind of aspects that you see, some of the other kind of challenges that come up and maybe something that, that aren't necessarily front of mind when we think about a cyber incident thats a very kind of technical um, issue?
2: Often I see the the non-technical part of responding to the crisis as the the most important part because ultimately a technical forensic investigation will more often than not find out how the threat actor got in they will determine what the impact is to data with with a certain degree of of certainty and there may be caveats here and there but it is the non-technical part that brings the most uncertainty because ultimately sometimes you don't know how your customers are going to react you don't know how your clients are going to react or your partners and it can be an existential crisis perhaps financially and during a cyber crisis i see that organizations really need to to get grip quite quickly they need to react quite fast they need to take control and build out that strategy that that restoration strategy that risk to in order to recover and ultimately they do need to learn kind of as back to your point of a a pre and post um crisis and it's this react phase um that is i find quite quite interesting and quite um quite precarious at the beginning of a of a crisis because there are so many stakeholders involved in a big cyber crisis. You'll have your technical teams, of course, but you'll have your senior management, you'll have your legal, you'll have your compliance teams, you'll have your clients and your partners who also need to be brought along the journey and depending on the the nature of your business or the the nature of the type of attack you could also have law enforcement regulators governments as well and it's bringing all these people together and establishing the right governance processes um and who needs information when and where and to what level of of what level of kind of technical detail do they need um we see organizations kind of daily kind of have difficulties grappling with and eventually they will all get there they will find a rhythm of crisis response but um, those organizations that have taken that time to think about this in advance will often um, get through that react phase that control phase a lot faster and then they've got a lot more headroom to think about actually what are the main critical issues do you need to think about with this particular cyber crisis and they can start thinking creatively or kind of being able to to adapt then their response and um but that said i I would say in my reflection organizations are getting quicker at responding and to crises faster we've got better monitoring typically organizations are implementing um endpoint detection a lot more faster And backups, the recovery backups, um, organizations are getting better at that. But incidents are um, evolving, threat actors are adapting, they will find new and novel ways to extort, to get into your network. And kind of over the last, say, six months or so, I've seen, particularly in ransomware cases, these threat actors really, really change their tactics. Um, for instance, I've seen a bit like Royal Mail um, negotiation transcripts leaked. I've seen threat actors DDoS websites. I've seen threat, threat actors. They they've called up your clients, say, "Oh, I've hacked, I've hacked this company. Did you know about this? They're, I've stolen your data." Um, and they have called up. Um, they've even threatened to to compromise um, the victims and customers and partners as well through accesses that they gained, kind of maliciously. And all of these tactics that threat actors deploy—they're not technical problems to resolve. They are non-technical business problems of how an organisation should respond to these types of these threats, these developments in an incident. And so, the non-technical parts of the cyber crisis are are very important and can often um, kind of provide quite curveballs to to the response.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Ashper. I mean we talk about these issues, not as technical issues, but as broader broader issues that impact broader areas, if you'd like, of the business. And and we think from a consulting angle about several impact areas, you know, financial, operational, legal, regulatory, and even health and safety. I mean health and safety risk has traditionally been fairly minimal in cyber when you compare it to other crises, corporate crises that we might experience. But we are seeing an increasing risk to health and safety caused by cyber breaches when we think about our dependency on IT hospitals being attacked or or other services which are essential to supplying electricity, power, basic services that we all need, pharmaceuticals. There was a case in, I believe, Germany some years ago where a a hospital experienced a, a, a ransomware attack critical systems were affected in their attempt to transfer patients to the hospitals to receive the care that they couldn't receive at the hospital, a patient died. Now, this is an extreme example, but it remains to be seen how this changes in the coming years, and it's something that can't be minimised. You know, there's there's other risks as well that people perhaps don't think about when they're facing a disease. As Elspeth mentioned, you know, the the, the psychological Tactics of the attackers, the way that they put pressure on victims, can pose a health and safety risk. You know, the way that the information, maybe not strictly health-related, but other information, production data, safety data is lost, that can pose a health and safety risk. You know, doing the technical steps is is great, and organizations are getting on top of this, but antivirus scans, new passwords, not going to fix financial risk. They're not going to mitigate health and safety impacts. What you need to do is have an approach that, that encompasses all of these very diverse risks that you can face and these very diverse impacts that arise. You know, How do you resolve those? You need to think outside of technically plugging things back in and fixing things. What's the BAU plan? Can you keep critical services going? Do you know what's critical and what's not going? We did an exercise with a client where they were great. They had a brand new plan that, that we'd helped them to write um they jumped headfirst into a into an exercise that we planned with them completely forgot about how to run the rest of the business have their entire executive leadership in the room in a simulated crisis of several days you know who's who's picking up the phones who's managing the rest of the business things like that making sure that you have a plan there as i mentioned how do you protect yourself legally do you know what your obligations are to regulators to clients to individuals reputationally you know we're in an era of TikTok of public data leaks, as Elspeth mentioned, of these websites of of attackers going out of the way of taking marketing lessons in order to really put pressure on you. You know, Twitter spats between actors, all of these different things. Are we prepared to handle that? Do we know what that looks like? And then between all of that, how are we looking after our staff? How are we keeping our resources focused? How are we keeping them capable of doing their jobs? It's a complex picture. And that's something that when clients, when our clients, when other organizations get into the bolts of this, sometimes it tends to pass them by. And if if you're only noticing it halfway in, it's too late. The damage is already done and and the mitigation is not going to be as effective as it would have been if you caught it at that earlier stage if you planned for it.
3: If you have any questions about any topics regarding cybersecurity or technology issues, please feel free to email us and our experts will get back to you at cyber at controlrisks.com.
0: There's a lot of things here that that companies need to consider need to think about need to plan for and prepare for and, and and all of that. So I mean both of you are are essentially on the front line here in in how companies handle both that preparation phase but also the kind of response phase. Are there any common themes in terms of lessons learned? Are there any kind of key takeaways uh from your perspective that that kind of builds that capability?
2: Yeah, sure. Um two two lessons learned jump to my mind um the first is is acting fast on threats and the second one is acting fast on on build on um what i would say kind of building up your crisis response scaling up your crisis response so the first one on acting on threats fast um kind of a vulnerability case comes to mind i was involved in a, a ransomware attack responding to a ransomware attack on an international company and we were moving towards the end of the incident and there were technical forensic investigation was underway and it unearthed that that the organization had two ransomware precursors the trickbot and emotet and for those who um, aren't familiar with your ransomware precursors they are kind of quite classic precursors to a ransomware attack and you want to get rid of them quite quickly if you spot them on your network but what it transpired is um towards the end of the incident is that the IT team knew that both Trickbot and Emotet were in the network, but they didn't act on this. They didn't act on this because removing removing these two kind of malware would have caused operational issues, and it would have required the business to shut down for a short period of time. And they needed to put that within their kind of their change management system. And they didn't necessarily escalate the risk or really understand what the risk of having this malware on their network meant and kind of lo and behold that they were exploited the trip bot in Umitek was exploited and the company uh suffered a really severe ransomware attack impacting kind of multiple countries all business operations the entire company was grounded and arguably they lost a lot more business and a lot more um, financially um, the impact financially was more, much more significant than had they kind of um, paused and taken this malware off the system beforehand. And so, in my mind, reacting to to known threats fast is becoming more and more critical for organizations, particularly in light of the Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities. Uh, log4j for instance and i think just the other week um there was vmware and the sxi servers the threats to these and you get these notifications that threat actors can exploit these vulnerabilities and my my lesson learned is act on them fast because threat actors will exploit them and they will exploit them quicker than you probably think they will Um, and yeah the, the 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 12 times of um of threat actors on networks is just getting shorter and shorter
0: that challenge of juggling different priorities isn't just within the actual crisis, but also in the decision-making prior to it. It's like, if we do this now, it leads to to kind of operational disruptions. But if we hold off, then then this is the potential uh, challenge that we face. It is um, really about those priorities and about understanding kind of where um, you need to act early.
2: Absolutely. And it, it is really hard to for organizations to be able to articulate and be able to understand exactly what the impact could be and what mitigations what the effective mitigations are um but you can help support through that and um that it's it's getting better but the the vulnerabilities and threat actors exploiting vulnerabilities is getting faster
1: yeah i mean vulnerability management is always a struggle um having a good vulnerability management process in place as else clients could have would have saved them a lot of pain because if it's in the policy if it's in the plan this is critical and this needs to happen that empowers that team to to do the right thing i think from a a procedural angle i would say certainly from being in the room and in simulation in real instance you know iron out the planning make sure that you have an instant, you know who to call, you know when to call them, you know how to call them, and you know what they need to know, you know what to say to them. You know, so many good intentions, aware individuals, aware roles. All of that good work grinds to a halt in the first three hours of an instant when all of a sudden no one quite knows who they need to call and no one quite knows how to classify the instant and no one quite knows the terminology that's laid out in the plan in order to actually help them get this over the line, get the attention it needs the resourcing it needs and actually push the buttons that make this whole process of response work properly. And and that's what Elspeth was saying before, you know, around getting that cadence, getting things off on the right foot, because those wasted hours at the start of an instant, that lack of clarity, that lack of real effective control of the situation, that is what quickly snowballs. That's what pushes people into a more reactive state. And the second thing I would say is don't don't be reactive. You know, cybersecurity incidents are typically unclear. They're typically a little bit weird for organizations. You don't necessarily know everything. Hesitating, given the situation that you have, holding out for more information, holding out for maybe a right approach to present itself to you. It's not going to work. You need to be able to get on the front foot with these. You need to understand what your planning is, what the objectives are, what your assets are what the approach needs to be, and strategize accordingly, you need to be able to get out in front of these, take the approach, whether it's to take a network offline, whether it's to inform a regulator, whether it's to manage workforce and resources, calling a your insurer, all of these steps, making sure that we know exactly when to pull the trigger on those, getting ahead of them, thinking in an impact-first manner, not trying to find facts when we don't have time. That's what makes a difference. That's what helps organizations you know go in and respond in a, in a more effective way
0: to both of you then what would you say kind of based on your experience are the key differences between companies that have done some of this kind of preparation and, and particularly maybe the exercising that we talked about and those that haven't
2: i can start with that one um so in my experience companies that have gone through an element of exercising or thought through types of cyber incidents and how they might respond to it is that speed of internal decision making and bringing together the right people in the right room and I've touched on that that before and they've really thought through what decisions need to be passed on to their relevant stakeholders, whether or not they need to get their shareholders in the room, or they're aware of the legal and the regulatory obligations and the requirements and the associated timelines for that. And that means that these organizations do have that headroom to make make these decisions. They, they are kind of calm, they're considered, they've delegated out the tasks that they don't necessarily have to deal with themselves, and they have confidence in their crisis response structure they know the work streams are dealing with the necessary issues they the the crisis management team know these issues will be escalated in an appropriate and timely way and so it's that general feeling of taking control i find with organizations that have gone through through that that differences um and those that haven't they will get through a cyber crisis. I think that's that's something that we've learned um, throughout responding to many different cyber attacks. Um, there will be a resolution; the incident will be resolved, but it, there just might be a few bumps in the road on that on that way.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, Elspeth. Um, having been in a lot of these simulations as well as real incidents, the difference between you know drilled, experienced organizations, prepared organizations, and those that aren't, it can be night and day. Um, you know, the organizations that have not gone through that preparation, that exercising, that drilling, they simply haven't and this is simply because they haven't needed to, but they haven't thought about a cyber incident in the way that they need to in order to resolve it. They haven't thought about it as as, as the you know, the, the, the realization of a risk they haven't thought about it in terms of mapping out impact areas, classifying instant, launching work streams, managing resources. There's all these complex pieces of the puzzle, which is why, of course, we do have full-time responders as well as cybersecurity consultants to support businesses with this, because it's pretty complex. Um, it's 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 a lot to take in and it requires a shift in thinking. I think some business leaders who are not quite used to thinking of of complex Technology issues in a very, you know, in a way that's driven by circumstance, in a way that is not optimal, in a way that's not planned and prepared, and is extremely unpredictable and extremely undesirable in many ways. You know, from their building out familiarity with the instant response process that's in place, it's in house, as many organizations nowadays do have, and, and all organizations should have. I've referred to it before, but knowing who we call, knowing which teams we stand up, how we classify incidents, the language that we use to talk about this, knowing the agenda items that we need to hit, the points that we need to close off, the responsibility that we need to assign, and having that clear strategic approach to managing a complex incident, a cybersecurity incident. That's what allows organizations to really get ahead and, and get control of these difficult decisions, these difficult situations. You know, it's... Sometimes you have individuals and, and teams in the room who haven't seen this. It's a bit like rabbits in the headlights. Where do you start? Where do you look? How do you manage this? There's 50 different things on your plate to deal with. Teams that are very well drilled, which I've also sat with, they will simply go straight to their agenda items. They will take registers. They will go through fixed items. They will record them. They will assign and they will move on. Crisis not quite yet handled, not quite yet managed, but well under control. And that's, that's part of that process, you know, drilling, understanding. Building familiarity, making sure your team members know what they're doing. Clear responsibility is a clear direction to the response. That's all the things that exercising can, can help organisations to, to build into their resiliency and build into their teams. So if we take it a step step further then, in
0: my mind, I would imagine, you know, we're talking about here, the benefits of having that exercise, of having done, you know, run through what, what this will look like and, and getting people kind of mentally ready for, for, for what is to come but I can't help but think that the kind of the gap there between doing that exercise in the safe and controlled environment everyone's got it in their their kind of diaries that compared to being uh in an actual incident in a real life scenario that that gap needs that that has to be quite substantial am I right Elspeth?
2: Yes I do find that and um the ho- What I will call, you don't necessarily have your home comforts around when you're dealing with a cyber crisis. Because in the exercises that I've helped participate with, you have a coffee break, you'll have a nice tray with biscuits, and you'll have that small talk. Whilst it is simulated, and it you do get that feeling of, "Oh, what am I going to do in a cyber crisis?" An exercise inherently is is a pre planned um, exercise, Um, but in a real crisis everyone is stretched in case sometimes people are fearing for their jobs they're not sleeping and their responses can be 24 7 and then on top of that threat actors are not necessarily nice people they choose inconvenient times deliberately they will on a bank holiday weekend they will drop the malware on a saturday evening the kind of with the maximum time that your um, maximum time kind of available before the staff come back into the office um incidents happen or crises happen when your boss is out or your tech team aren't available or someone else someone really critical is on holiday and when you're exercising you have all the right people in the room you have everyone who you need to make that decision to to structure the response but um yeah in the crisis you have to be prepared for um the unexpected really
1: You know the amount of nervous laughter that you might encounter in in an exercise or a morning session with a with a leadership team is far greater than what you might experience in a in a real incident. You know, in an exercise, as we've said, we can take all those steps to make this as realistic as possible to find out what's what's really critical to this organization, to build up a scenario that is well integrated into their processes, their functions, their assets, their key concerns. But at the end of the day, it's three hours in a in a conference room, usually for points with with some biscuits and some sandwiches in the corner. You know, in the real situation, nobody's laughing. In the real situation, it's fine to talk through what you should be doing as you would an exercise. But then you actually have to go and do that. And that's what causes problems. You know, it's all well and good in the exercise to say, yes, this has happened. We have a database of 500 people, that we need to inform about this. But what happens when you get to the implementation of that in a real exercise and suddenly you find that you only have the email addresses of 30% of those? How do you handle that? Maybe you have a regulatory obligation to inform those people. You know that you should do it and that's something that you would talk through in the exercise. You know how you would do it. That's also something you would talk through in the exercise. But you're not going to get that, that exposure to actually going through and finding out where those problems are in an exercise unless you know you pay us and we come out for three months with you um which so far do i think like, we've ever done so you know sticking with these complex decisions finding those roadblocks and understanding that the stakes become very real in an incident um all of that is an additional i would say psychological burden it's a pressure point Four teams, you can talk through those responses, but then you actually have to stick with them, as I say. Those decisions are real, those decisions have, have consequences. And also to this point, those decisions are not over and done within three hours and you forget about it until a report comes on your desk. No, these take days, weeks, sometimes months. Sometimes you have to stick with those decisions. Sometimes you may doubt those decisions, sometimes you may just be really, really tired. But you have to stick with that. You have to work through it. And being able to lean on, on a very strong process, a well-drilled team, a resilient team, as I will often say. That's where you can support a team to undergo that. But at the end of the day, you know, the the lived experience of an incident is 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 sadly nothing like an exercise, although an exercise is a pretty good prep for it. We keep coming back to this this
0: kind of theme or or, or this point around being mentally kind of prepared for for what's coming and, and also I guess to some extent understanding what will be the added, you know, you can't live through it until you you live through it, but at least gain an understanding of, you know, that won't be a controlled environment and 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 you know it will be awkward, it will be difficult, it will be kind of um mentally draining as well for for people to be be in the middle of this. So, a final question to to both of you and emma I'll, I'll I'll start with you kind of on your based on your your experience. What is your kind of top tip in terms of what makes or breaks an organization's ability to kind of weather uh, a cyber crisis?
1: My top tip, given everything we've <laughs> given everything we've talked about, I would say you know, as an organization get comfortable with, be prepared for ambiguity, be prepared for information gaps. You know, cyber crises are different. They're not a fire, a flood, a a recall, a hostage situation where the issue is obvious, the concern is obvious, the danger is obvious. Cyber, and especially, you know, the attacks that we see in the incidents, we see that maybe have a nation-state involvement, an espionage twist, a data theft twist, something like that. These are... You know, a lot more ambiguous. They're a lot more insidious. It's not clear when we actually get into them, when we find ourselves in them, what's quite going on, what we need to do, what's affected. So, how to deal with that? Of course, as we said, there's a lot of things we don't know, there's a lot of things you can't prepare for, but having a sound process that you can trust that is well built around taking an impact first approach, understanding impact areas, understanding risks, understanding what the, the organization needs to do to mitigate those and protect its stakeholders. That's where you build the trust in your approach to actually see that response through and to be able to work through the steps of that response. No matter what you you know or don't know, of course building on what you know, allowing for what you don't, anticipating what could happen and what likely will happen. And that is how you can build out a response that is appropriate, that is the least risky, that manages those various different obligations that you may have. You know, jumping the gun, as we'd say, you know, going down a certain road and then needing to reassess, needing to change tack. That's something that we saw actually particularly with Medibank to take things back to how we started. That's a real sucker punch to a responding team that's difficult that's embarrassing that undermines the approach that's really really toxic to your reputational um kind of asset the way you present yourself as well as to your team right changing direction like that is is very very fatiguing very challenging
0: and uh and alice same question for you What is your top tip?
2: My top tip, um, Emma's is the top, top tip. So I'll try to think of another one. (laughs) But I'll probably still the phrase, a classic cyber phrase. It's uh, not when, sorry, it's not if, but when. I knew I'd get that run the wrong way. Um, So prepare for when a cyber attack or a cyber breach or a cyber issue happens. Don't think, oh, it might not happen to me because ultimately one will happen to you. And in those instances, I think my top tip is to really consider what the reasonable worst case scenario is and respond to that. And emphasis is on reasonable. No need to go kind of cat- catastrophic around your response, but it is so much easier to scale back a response once you've kind of considered all the all the reasonable worst case outcomes and prepare for each and every one. Hopefully, you they won't transpire or the major issues you have thought through in advance won't transpire and if they don't brilliant but if they do you're prepared for it you're you've considered the reasonable worst case scenario and you can deal with that you can move forward with that and you can respond to that
0: thanks very much um to both of you thank you for joining today emma i know it's a, it's a late hour where you are so thanks very much for for uh, being part of Decrypt today.
1: Thanks for having me, Stina. It's been a blast.
0: And Elspeth, thank you also for coming and sharing some of your your insights from the, the front lines.
2: Thanks, Stina. It's been really fun. Thank you.
3: We have a whole host of episodes coming soon to Decrypt, covering the most crucial topics, breaking news and strategic horizon scanning within the world of cyber that you need to be aware of. With analysis and discussion from our experts located around the world, subscribe to Control Risk's Decrypt as we help you make sense of the cyber and technology issues impacting your business. For more information on how we can help you build a resilient, compliant and secure organization realizing the benefits of technology, visit us at www.controlrisk.com. And remember, our experts are only ever one email away. Email us at cyber at